Welcome inside A Call Away. I'm Adam Giardino, radio broadcaster for the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, AAA affiliate of the New York Yankees. This episode will get you through the highlights of the last week for the Rail Riders. We will catch up with Mike Ford. So Yankee fans obviously know what Ford was able to do up in New York for 10 games. Now that he's back in AAA, we had an opportunity to gauge the temperature of all of those emotions. Sometimes you need a few days away to step back and really assess everything that just happened. And boy, Ford was so appreciative of every moment that he got to spend in New York. We'll also welcome Adam Marco back to the show for some broadcast banter. We talk about Chance Adams, Nestor Cortez, and what Aaron Hicks looked like on rehab. And then we catch up with Logan Morrison, somebody that the Yankees signed towards the end of spring training. He was sent to extended spring to continue working, getting healthy. He's coming off of off-season hip surgery, and he's only two seasons removed from a 39-home run year with the Tampa Bay Rays. We have a bonus conversation. Earlier in the week, the Rail Riders hosted the Indianapolis Indians, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates AAA affiliate. So just as a few weeks ago where we caught up with the son of Hall of Famer Craig Biggio, we caught up with his son, Kevin, who's one of the top prospects in the Blue Jays organization. We have a conversation with the very top prospect in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization in Mitch Keller. Keller spent time in the big leagues and is someone who soon enough will be back up there pitching for Pittsburgh. And then we have our Around the System report. Reports from High A Tampa with Nick Flamia, Double A Trenton with John Moses, and Triple A Scranton Wilkesbury with our very own Adam Marco. So let's take you through some of the highlights of this week. For Scranton Wilkesbury, it started on Tuesday against the Indianapolis Indians. And the Rail Riders scored two runs in the fifth. They gave up a run in the seventh. And Chance Adams otherwise pitched spectacularly. Six and two-thirds innings, two hits, one run. It was earned. It was an inherited runner that came home off of the bullpen. And then the Rail Riders added a run in the bottom of the seventh, leading 3-1, and they walked away with a 3-1 victory. The following day, the Rail Riders extended their win streak to seven. Some early runs were traded with the Rail Riders scoring three runs in the second, Indianapolis scoring three in the third, and then Indianapolis getting a go-ahead run in the top of the fourth. But in the bottom of the sixth, the Rail Riders scored a run on a wild pitch, and that tied the game at four. So we jump into the bottom of the ninth inning with the game still tied, and after a hit-by-pitch, a walk, and a bunt single loaded the bases with nobody out, the man at the plate was Mandy Alvarez. Infield playing, toes to the grass. Caselica's 1-2. Line towards left center field, that's down, and a walk-off winner. An RBI single for Mandy Alvarez and Scranton Wilkesbury rallies back in a 5-4 win over Indianapolis, the seventh consecutive win. And tonight it's won by number seven himself. Final line here this evening for the Rail Riders. It's five runs on nine hits and one error for Indianapolis. Four runs on 11 hits and no miscues. So that extended the win streak up to seven games. But the following day, the Indianapolis Indians able to take a 4-2 win from the Rail Riders. Despite a late rally, scranton Wilkesbury not able to scratch any runs across. In fact, in that one, the Rail Riders sent the first 17 men to the plate without a base runner, ultimately getting no hit through six and two-thirds innings by Alex McCray, the starter for the Indians. So after that was, the next day was Friday. And the Rail Riders had their most explosive inning of the season. 
after allowing three runs in the top of the first inning to Toledo, AAA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers, Scranton Wilkes-Barre opened up the offense. In the bottom of the second inning, Rail Riders ultimately sent 11 men to the plate, scoring seven runs on four hits, and the final two of those seven runs came on this swing from Ryan McBroom. One out, McBroom the batter, here's the toss. High fly towards right field, going back Matuk to the warning track and off the base of the wall. Hicks will score. Wade flying around third. Here comes the throw, no. Wade stores standing and the Rail Riders have seven across in the inning. It's a two run double for Ryan McBroom. A seven run inning, but Toledo's offense was sure plucky that day and they came back trailing by four runs. They won 12-8 on Friday night. The Rail Riders capped their week the following day. Sunday was a total washout, so Scranton Wilkes-Barre on Saturday got on the board quickly. The lineup featured leadoff hitter Mike Ford, and just three pitches into the game, Ford delivered one of his signature shots. Here's the toss, 1-1 Ford, line drive towards the railhouse, gone. No need to run around the bases after you foul one off your foot. You just solo home run to lead it off for Mike Ford. That wasn't enough for the Rail Riders. Ford would homer in his second at bat in the third inning as well, but it wasn't even enough for Scranton Wilkes-Barre in the inning. Just a few pitches after the Ford home run, it was big leaguer Aaron Hicks. Pitch to Hicks is a high fly to left field. Get out of here, back to back. It's on the berm in left center. And Scranton Wilkesbury out to a 2-0 lead. So a two-run first inning, two more runs in the third, thanks to a Mike Ford home run, and then Aaron Hicks doubling and scoring on a sack fly from Brad Miller. And it was a quick 4-0 lead, ultimately a 5-1 victory, and ultimately Aaron Hicks finished 3-for-4 with two doubles, a home run, three runs scored, a stolen base, and a run batted in. And off to the big leagues he went. Back from the big leagues is our first guest here on A Call Away. Mike Ford played 10 games up in New York. He picked up his first big league homer. He walked a whole bunch. That on-base percentage got close to 400, despite the batting average being a shade under 200. And as a kid growing up rooting for New York, growing up in New Jersey, we just wanted to know what it was like to get that opportunity to go up and play for the team that he grew up rooting for. Ah, uh, man, just everything. I, I wanted more, you know. Uh, it was great to get the feet wet, you know, get a little confidence uh, in what I can do. And, uh, yeah, just the experience itself was more than I could ask for. I got to see an interview that you did before you played your first game where you were on the field with Yes Network and just sort of soaking it all in. What was that moment like when you first got to step on the field with the uniform, with the game happening, and, and all of those emotions? Yeah, it was crazy. I tried to do it in every stadium that we went to, just kind of go out alone and, and take it in at each spot. To get to do it in Yankee Stadium first, obviously, it was awesome. And then uh, to walk out to the game, even though I wasn't playing those first two nights, just to be on the bench and, and watching from that angle instead of, you know, a different one was, was really, really awesome. And Obviously, it added a little bit more that both of those games were against Boston. So, I mean, that was that was pretty awesome. And just just like I said, I mean, it's tough to put into words. It's just something that I've kind of kept in my head and uh, will hold on to for a very long time. The home run ball. You hit it out in L.A. off of Chris Stratton. What was that like, circling the bases? And the follow-up is, where is that baseball now? Uh, it was, you know, awesome feeling again. Um, 
I I thought I got it pretty good, and I was like, I think it's gone. But like, I had so much running through my head that you know, I just kind of got to you know put my head down, run, and then I was like, I think he's got a chance. So I started watching a little bit just to see it go over, get the first one out of the way, and uh, yeah, it was just a feeling of uh, I think I said relief one time, but it wasn't relief. It's just kind of great to get the first one out, and then you can just go play and and be yourself. So then the guy that caught it was a very nice guy. I uh, came down after the game, gave me the ball. I gave him a bat, a ball, and some batting gloves, I think. And, uh, you know, we just chatted for a little bit, and he was awesome. It was very, very easy, and uh, it's with me right now, so I have to offload it to, to the parents. And what has it been like for your parents? They've been able to follow you really closely with all of these New York Yankees stops. You're from Bellmead, New Jersey, Trenton, Scranton. They've been able to see you a lot in person up through the minors, which is more than most minor leaguers get to say. So how were they able to take in your 10 games up in New York? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think my mom's <laughs> the luckiest mom ever, you know. My brother lived home during med school. Uh, I was home during college at the same time and then uh, lived home playing in Trenton. So she's gotten us around a lot, but, you know, we're such a close family. That's that's where I wanted to be. And um, just to share the experience with them after such a long road was, was really, really awesome. And brother got to come up to a game. He's actually having his first child today. <laughs> so I'm waiting on the text when, when uh, my first, you know, my niece comes out. And uh, so that just all the emotions of everything that's been going on with the family has, you know, brought us all closer and, you know, it's just been really, really great. Mike Ford, our guest here on the pregame show. So when you texted the family today and told them, hey, guys, I'm batting leadoff, that was kind of second most important piece of news in the Ford household today. But you are batting leadoff. Have you batted leadoff before? When was the last time? And just sort of what's your reaction to seeing your your name in the lineup there? Yeah, well, definitely wasn't even a conversation piece for the family today. Uh, They really really don't care where I'm hitting today. But uh, no, so I've never hit leadoff, but... I never hit second ever yeah. before this year, too. So, uh, you know, it's something that me and Jay talked about yesterday, and I came in today and saw it, and I was like, oh, he pulled the trigger on it. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, so we'll see how it goes. Same game, just have to get ready a little quicker, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that's all I can say. When he talked to you about it, was there a specific discussion about on-base percentage, analytics, that sort of thing Not to convince really. you? He just kind of said it as a joke, and then <laughs> I was like, oh, man, it came true. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back inside A Call Away. Adam Giardino with you, and it's time, as always, for broadcast banter. We've got the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco, joining us again this week on the podcast, and we're going to run through a couple of topics for Yankee fans of note. Three guys that they've seen or will be seeing shortly. Chance Adams, who's making his 2019 Yankees debut at some point, we presume, in the next few days, who made his Yankees MLB debut, having pitched for the Orioles a year ago. And Aaron Hicks, going to have his 2019 season debut for New York as well after five 
minor league rehab games between the Tampa Tarpons and the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Railriders. So, Adam, we will jump into Chance Adams, somebody that, if you listen to this podcast last week, we dissected it. Why isn't Chance getting the opportunity over Jonathan Loisica? And when it's all said and done just one week later, it's Loisica to the injured list, and here goes Chance Adams up to the big leagues. And the last three starts for Adams have been amazing, quite honestly. It was three straight quality starts after three appearances that you would think could have been part of an extended spring training. He wasn't at his finest those first three outings of the year. It's a guy who's received a couple consecutive opening night starts at PNC Field. And Adams has looked like a different pitcher over the last couple of weeks. And just like we talked about with Chad Green and coming down and the ability to work with Tommy Phelps, Adams really cited some of the work he had done with Tommy as to how he had altered his season halfway through what we've seen from him so far. And one of the things that I saw that I heard was he wasn't standing quite as tall on the mound. So when it's not just the mechanics, it's not just the glove positioning and the angle and arm slots. I mean, they're looking at every little facet of what you are right now versus where you were when you were at your peak. So three straight quality starts, some no-hit innings from Chance Adams, a very different pitcher these last three appearances than what we saw the first three, and it was very much a similar story to what we had with Chance in 2018. It took him a while to recover from off-season surgery, and you saw a late July, early August spurt that led him to that big league call-up, that big league debut in Boston in August last year. So I think we're seeing a resurgence in Chance Adams because of some just minor tweaks that he's made in season here. And even that last start for the Rail Riders on May 7th, he went six and two-thirds innings, gave up two hits and a run. And even that is a little misleading because it was six and two-thirds, one hit, no runs. He gave up a double to the last man he faced with two outs in the inning. That run came home as an inherited runner. So Adams even pitched more spectacularly than it may otherwise have even appeared. But three straight quality starts heading into whatever his role he's going to embrace in New York this week and beyond. And does it concern you it seems that it doesn't concern chance at all especially when he's going well the velocity factor that he's sitting 91 93 no. a couple of a couple of years no, after it doesn't concern me at all because he was somebody that really relied upon and and used it to his spectacular advantage sitting 95 97 a few years ago before his surgery no so, I, it doesn't because you don't necessarily need that impact velocity if you've got control and over the years how many pitchers that were sitting 88 to 90 that went on to hall of fame careers and i'm not suggesting that's the arc for chance adams maybe it is well we don't know yet he hasn't had that opportunity but i think if you have the command and you have the ability to utilize multiple pitches and you're getting into three and four pitches the velocity is helpful, but you don't necessarily need that overwhelming velo as long as you have the command. And another guy that the Yankees are getting a piece of right now is Nestor Cortez. I say, you're segueing this perfectly with the lack of velocity. He's not a velocity guy. They're not Chapman. They're not Chad Green. They're not guys like Kel Kosho that we have with the Rail Riders who can touch 95 to 97 
It's about the control. It's about the other facets of what you do that allow you to be successful. And that's what we're learning with Chance and what we've seen with Nestor at the AAA level. Nestor is somebody that last year was selected in the Rule 5 draft by the Baltimore Orioles, pitched a few times up in the big leagues. He broke camp with the Orioles. They liked what they saw, but then they just didn't ultimately like the results that they got from him in the majors. He seemed a little slow out of the gate last year, and maybe part of that that stress, that workload of just trying to make a big league roster and ultimately getting returned to the team that you were with originally may have taken a while to shake off. But Nestor this year has really come into his own, and I don't think in my seven years of working in the Yankees organization, I've seen somebody that, despite what you may see from a a tools perspective deserves to get to the big leagues any more than Nestor Cortez. Well, first off, I think it is increasingly difficult to stick on a major league roster as a Rule 5 player these days. Less and less year after year. And if anything, injuries are what keep Rule 5 guys on a big league roster that you can hide them as much as possible. And Nestor is a different Rule 5 type player, I think, for Baltimore. But his his makeup off the field is impressive. And how he's able to carry that over to what he does on the field, it's tricks that he's picked up that he's developed on his own. I think he learned a lot from Oliver Perez in the two-month span. They worked together with Scranton Wilkesbury last year. But even still, he was doing some of these delays in motion and maybe he's trying more tricks now he's like a knuckleballer without the knuckleball that he has these different ways of going about things that you don't see and much like you know you've got a guy throwing 100 you've got a guy throwing 95 Nestor doesn't do that so he finds different ways to throw your timing off before you even release the pitch and I think that's what makes Nestor so unique on the field his character, his makeup off the field has impressed me from day one. And it's so crazy to think that what you had said about Chance Adams, where a guy that doesn't throw 96 can have that quality, lengthy career. And to think back, you don't have to even go back a decade to think a guy that on the left side could reach back for 91 and do all the things that he can in a starter's role. Ten years ago, Cortez would have been an incredibly impressive, almost hard-throwing left-hander who could go up to 91, 92 on occasion. And yet here we are talking about him as someone that needs to prove his mettle besides the velocity. Whether or not this call-up is a long-term thing, if you look at the Yankees' lineup card from their Tuesday game, they had 10 relievers on it, including Chance Adams and Nestor Cortez, two guys that are in the starting rotation for the Rail Riders if it was last week. So... It's maybe not a long-term thing. I think the future for both these guys. Chance, perhaps over Nestor as a starter. But Cortez could be a very effective relief guy within the next couple of seasons. I don't want to rule him out as a starter for the Yankees or for any club for that matter. But I think he is a true change of pace guy that could come in and really do great things for a big league club. So we've talked about a couple of pitchers that are going up to New York and Last guy we'll talk about here on Broadcast Banter is Aaron Hicks, someone that hasn't played 
as far as we had seen, a game with New York yet this year. Three games with the Tampa Tarpons. He played Friday, Saturday with us, the Rail Riders, at PNC Field in Music. Sunday was postponed, and Hicks sent to New York on Monday, but then they were postponed. So at this recording, Aaron Hicks still has not played a game for the New York Yankees. And what is your takeaway from what you, we, got to see from him for two days in music? Well, Saturday was fun. That's for sure. was. Homer, double-double, and then a ground out back to the mound. He stole a base. He played easy defense across center field for Scranton Wilkes-Barre. Could he have gone back to the Yankees prior to a rehab assignment with the Rail Riders? Probably. If the injury situation really forced their hand. But I do like the fact that, you know, let's play a couple more games. Let's see a little bit more activity. Let's get a couple of base hits. Get the confidence back. So it's not just I'm healthy, but now, you know, he destroyed a pitch to left center field for his home run. It was back-to-back from Mike Ford and Aaron Hicks. To see him steal a base, to play that defense, it just reaffirmed that he was absolutely ready. No matter what come Monday, he was going to be back on the New York Yankees active roster. Right. It was 0 for 14 going into Saturday, and the fact you come out of it with a 3 for 4 rather than an 0 for 18, let's say, going into your spot back in the big leagues that that'll do a little bit for your confidence Adam Marco thank you for joining us again this week we'll uh, we'll talk to your agent and we'll schedule you again for next week uh, that sounds good I'll be back at PNC Field we've got a homestand starting up on the 21st we have to pay off a bet with our friends the Pawtucket Red Sox That's so right. if you are a Red Sox or Paw Sox fan if you visit swbrailriders.com you can get some details on how you get a free ticket to that May 21st game otherwise we're on the road in Indianapolis and Toledo looking for some victories over some clubs that we did fairly well against last week. One of the guys that is in the middle of that lineup, Logan Morrison. And we had a chance to chat with Lomo during last homestand. And he's somebody that the New York Yankees signed and assigned to extended spring training. Someone that went through the offseason really without a home, without a contract. And after having offseason hip surgery, he went to Tampa, did the extended spring training thing. He got up to Scranton Wilkes-Barre, and we just flat out wanted to know, how you feeling, Lomo? Yeah, I mean, I was down in Tampa, kind of getting my spring training in, got a couple weeks down there, and getting my legs underneath me, that kind of thing, coming off a of hip surgery, making sure everything's good to go. And as soon as my body felt good enough to play, um, wanted to get out of there and start getting it going, being a late sign. Not like I don't want to feel like I have to catch up or anything. Just... Uh, you know, stick to the process every day, um, get my work in, and be a productive player. How is kind of that rehab process? You feel 100% now or kind of good enough to, to be getting going and playing? Yeah, I don't think anybody feels 100% ever, but, yeah, I'm good enough to get going, good enough to get start playing and, uh, you know, find some barrels, make some plays, see what happens. We had Gio Gonzalez here earlier on in the season, and he kind of talked about his free agency experience from this offseason a little bit. What was it like for you, obviously, with the injury and, and just knowing how kind of weird things were for so many guys this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's weird anymore. I think it's more of a normal, you know, for whatever reason. Um, there's a lot of teams out there that don't want to win, and if they don't want to win, then there's no reason to go get free agents. So there's a lot less jobs to be had. You know, I guess it's up to the players to stick together, call out the teams as much as we can hold them accountable you know they build these awesome stadiums with tax revenue tax dollars um, that the fans provide them with 
I would expect the, the, the fans would want a good product out there. Um, and in a lot of cases, that's, that's not the case. It's not, it's not uh, a greedy thing from the players and money-wise, nothing like that. It's uh, you're shortening careers for no reason. And uh, so you can save a dollar here or a dollar there. It's not right, but it is what it is. We're here with Rail Riders infielder Logan Morrison. And going back over the last couple of years, known you're a good power hitter, hit 38 home runs at the Rays a few years ago. But for the fans who maybe haven't seen you a whole lot throughout the years, how would you describe your game to a Rail Riders fan or a Yankees fan listening? Um, I'm a hitter who has power. A hitter first. Um, got to have, <laughs> got to have uh, contacts. The first and most important thing, um, and then from there, you know, I'm not uh, especially fast guy, so I I need to get the ball in the air and and do damage with it, whether it's line drives or fly balls. It's not necessarily something that I'm going up there saying I'm going to hit a homer. Most times, it's I'm going up there and getting a hit, try to take my single and let the pitcher provide the power. When you get to the Rail Riders, you see Brad Miller, who was a teammate of yours in Seattle and with Tampa. How nice is it to come in and at least see a familiar face or two when you're getting acclimated to a new organization? Definitely helps out a lot. Brad's my boy, and uh, you know, I do anything for, the, anything for that guy. I'm sure he did the same thing for me. Um, so, you know, I, I saw the year he had, the year before mine, that I had a good year. And so just trying to help him get back to where he feels comfortable and, and where he can be that type of hitter day in and day out. Um, he knows it's in there. I know it's in there, and uh, it'll be fun to watch. A few years ago, you were really one of the first athletes, it feels like, to use social media to, to really connect with fans in, in kind of a different way. Was that something you did intentionally, or, or how did that kind of come about? Because I, I know you were one of the one of the big ones early on. It was just an organic thing. Um, for me, it's it was fun while it lasted. You know, I still have an Instagram, but... I think that it's very important to get your brand out there as a player now. Um, it's the difference between $100 million and, you know, a one-year deal. Um, if you don't have that following, teams teams have numbers not only on the field but off the field on you. And there's a reason that teams sign Manny Machado to $300 million. People are like, oh, my gosh, why, why did they sign him for so much money? Well, if you look at the numbers, they're going to make $900 million off him in the course of his career. So that's a very good investment go down the board they're not giving it out if you're not making it for them so Bryce Harper and whatnot you know look at uh the season ticket sales increase increased when Bryce signed with the Phillies so there's definitely some some validity to having a good brand out there like that so yeah you know all that stuff is I guess uh good to have but not the most important thing back inside a call away Adam Giardino with you and a bonus interview for you today we mentioned that the Pittsburgh Pirates were in town. Their AAA affiliate, the Indianapolis Indians, played a few games at PNC Field. Scranton Wilkesbury able to collect wins in two of three games against the Indians. One of the guys that they got to was the number one prospect in the system in Mitch Keller. Three innings, three runs, all earned. A no decision, but he needed 83 pitches over three innings that night before being pulled from the game. Despite that, the stuff is electric. The numbers throughout his career have been so good. And for Mitch Keller, we wanted to know how the season has gone, not just for him, but for the entire Indianapolis Indians team. We had a tough stretch. I think we lost a couple games in a row at the beginning of the season and then a little bit, but we're, uh, we're a good ball club and we're pretty young. Um, we've had two, guy, two or three guys go up to the big leagues, uh, Brian Reynolds, Jason Martin, and Cole Tucker, 
going up and Jay Mart's back down, which is adds to our lineup. Um, but losing those other two guys is is uh, has a big piece of our lineup there, and um, we have we got a really good team. Uh, we're hitting the ball really well, and we're starting to throw it pretty well too. So um, I like where we're at, and I like everybody's chances of going up to the big leagues some point this year. Give you a chance to give your catchers some credit here. Yeah. You've got Jacob Stallings with the club on a rehab assignment right now. What does Jacob bring to the table that you know, you're learning from a guy who spent a considerable amount of time in the major leagues for the Pirates the last couple of years? Yeah, um, he's, he's a really good person to have down here to help us learn and know what to expect when he gets to the big leagues. Um, just, just from pitch calling, um, the way he sees the game back there, and the, the advice he gives us throughout the clubhouse and just what to expect and what we need to be able to do to be a good uh, to be a good player and good pitcher up there at the big league level. Um, it's just been a huge asset for us. Talking with Mitch Keller, pitching tonight for the Indianapolis Indians. You've been around the IL West a couple of times already this season. Who stands out to you? What team stands out or maybe a player that impressed you from a club we haven't seen yet, but you've seen certainly quite a bit of? Um, I don't know. There's Every team's got a few good guys on it. Um, Gwinnett has a has a lot of good good arms that we faced. Uh, a lot of good hitters too. Um, we just faced Louisville, who uh, Josh Van Meter. I mean, he's arguably the best, hottest hitter in baseball. Um, we faced him, so he's probably been the best hitter we've seen um, so far. Uh, just just having to face that guy every night. Uh, he's he's a tough hitter, tough out. Um, when he gets out, it's a loud out too. So. Um, I'd say he's probably the best best hitter we've faced this, this, so far this season. You mentioned a couple of guys that have gone up for the Pirates already this year in Cole Tucker and Brian Reynolds and Jason Martin. Pablo Reyes is back with the club for the time being right now. I know that it's the golden question. Everybody wants to know what's it going to take for you to get to the major league level. How much input have the Pirates given you at this stage? You know, The numbers are there. It's more experience at AAA because you didn't have that much time last season. Yeah. But how much more are they looking for? Because they just lost Jamison Tyon. You know, can't tell me there's not a spot in that Pittsburgh rotation. What do you think? Um, I mean, I haven't really heard much uh, from up top or from anybody. Uh, in my mindset, I'm just going to go out every night and and do the best as I can. Uh, the biggest thing for me is just executing all my pitches. Um, and just honing those in and getting those major league ready. Because um, we can always, even at the big league level, I mean, everybody's working on something or trying to make stuff just a little bit better. So um, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing down here, um, just trying to get myself ready. And uh, when that time comes, uh, I'll be ready. And um, just just pushing forward every, every night and every start that I get a chance to go out there and um, show what I can do. Get you out of here on... A little bit more about your team. I asked you about the IL West, about the IL South. You told us about Gwinnett, some top prospects that Indianapolis has to offer, and Key Brian Hayes and you know, Will Craig among the home run leaders, not named Josh Van Meter in the International League. When it comes to this team, you know, what's a guy that maybe we don't hear about that you think could be a big league caliber guy? Because I know there are some players that aren't quite in the same conversation as Key Brian and Will Craig and Osuna's been up and yeah. Pablo's been up. Who's a guy that you would love to see get that opportunity because they could be a good to great major leaguer? Yeah, um, guy who just stands out at 
I don't think he's still batting like 400, Jake Elmore. Um, guy goes out every night and plays really hard, um, and he gets rewarded for it. I mean, he's running out balls, hustle doubles, just just having really good at bats up at the plate, and he's a really solid defender too. I uh, just love having him back there. Um, I could see him having a really good, solid career and impacting anywhere that he plays um, in a positive way. So he'd, he'd probably be the guy that you don't hear about um, as much as the top prospects, uh, so to speak. Um, I think he could have a really good impact. A big hearty thank you to Mitch Keller for hanging out with us on the pregame show earlier this week. And the last thing to get to here on A Call Away, the Around the System report. We've got updates from Nick Flamia down in high A with the Tampa Tarpons. We've got one from John Moses in double A with the Trenton Thunder. And our very own Adam Marco wraps it up for us here in triple A. Without further ado, take it away, Nick. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. Tampa has won five of its last seven games after winning both ends of a doubleheader on Saturday, sweeping a range-shortened two-game series in Fort Myers. On Wednesday, Diego Castillo failed to reach base safely for the first time since April 12th, snapping a 20-game on-base streak tied for the longest in the Florida State League this season. During that stretch, the middle infielder batted 347, drawing 11 walks while striking out only seven times in 72 at-bats. This comes from the same Castillo that began his season on an 0-for-28 slide. I asked Diego how he was able to overcome the slow start. These games like that, ups and downs. And like I said, I'm just enjoying all, all, every single game, every single day, They're giving my, my, my best, playing 100%. And I feel, I feel it's the confidence, the confidence that I can in the home place. Uh, the, the confidence that I have now is, is like 100% level. So I feel really good doing, doing it. Roving hitting coordinator Dylan Lawson described Castillo's perseverance and shared his confidence in the 21-year-old. Probably the first time in his entire career where he's been that long without a base hit. The guy's a hit collector, so um, it's he did a great job. You know, he's not going to let that stuff affect him. He's a guy that in spring training, he worked on all of his weaknesses. He gets here. Uh, just, I mean, it took a little bit of time to settle in. It's not like we had any concerns. We know what kind of player Diego is. But you see a guy that is swinging at fewer balls, making more contact in the strike zone, and in turn hitting the ball harder than he ever has in his career. And it's, it's just all simply because of the work that he's putting in when nobody's watching the games. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. This week saw the Thunder win five in a row, a sweep in Richmond to begin the week, and then two victories in their first two games of the series with the Portland Sea Dogs. Saturday night saw the Thunder earn an improbable comeback victory, scoring five times with two outs in the bottom of the 12th inning to earn their third walk-off win of the season. And the right-handers 2-2 is swung on and lined to left center field. It's a base hit. Ruta will score. Hendricks behind him. He's going to get the wave. And there will not be a throw. It's a walk-off winner. Zach Zaner has done it. An unbelievable comeback win. A walk-off two-run triple from Zach Zayner has given Trenton an improbable 8-7 victory tonight. Right-hander Daniel Alvarez has been a key cog at the back end of Trenton's bullpen. The 22-year-old Venezuelan right-hander skips over Tampa and enters play on Sunday with a league-leading five wins and a 2-6-3 ERA. 
Pitching coach Tim Norton tells us that he opened some eyes in spring training to earn this opportunity at Double A. Yeah, he had some chances in big league camp late in games and really came through and um, wasn't scared at all. Uh, he had a great winter league. I think that, that went a long way coming in the spring training. And another guy who I think is a lot of confidence right now because of what he did in the spring, and, uh, facing the hitters he did and getting the job done. So he's, he's filling it up. He has a tremendous curveball. He cuts it. He sinks it. So there's a lot to think about as a hitter. I mean, ball's moving to both sides. And uh, like I said, the curveball's been great. With the Thunder, I'm John Moses. With this look at the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. On Thursday, the Rail Riders lost, snapping a seven game winning streak, their longest since 2016. The club played its way back to early contention in the International League North thanks to hot hitting from Kyle Higashioka with a seven RBI day last Sunday, and lengthy hitting streaks from Mandy Alvarez and Ryan McBroom. On Friday night, Aaron Hicks joined the roster on a Major League Rehab assignment, and Saturday helped the Rail Riders snap a two game slide by going three for three, including his first home run of the year. Pitch to Hicks is a high fly to left field. Get out of here, back to back. It's on the berm in left center. And Scranton Wilkesbury out to a two nothing lead. Another one of the new pieces on this roster, Logan Morrison, signed as a minor league free agent by the Yankees a couple of weeks ago. Morrison was added to the roster earlier this homestand. He, like many players, endured major league free agency, but also had to get healthy for 2019. Yeah, I mean, I was down in Tampa, um, kind of getting my spring training in, got a couple weeks down there, and getting my legs underneath me, that kind of thing, coming off a of hip surgery, making sure everything's good to go, and as soon as my body felt good enough to play, um, wanted to get out of there and start getting it going. Um, being a late sign, you know, like I don't want to feel like I have to catch up or anything, just uh, you know, stick to the process every day, get my work in, and be a productive player. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. That's a wrap for us here this week on A Call Away. Thanks so much for tuning in and sticking it out. A big thanks to all of our guests, Mike Ford, Logan Morrison, Mitch Keller. Big thanks to my broadcast partner and the voice of the Rail Riders, Adam Marco. Thanks to the broadcasters down in High A, Nick Flamia, and Double A, John Moses. I'm Adam Giardino. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. And you can catch Adam Marco and me on every single Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders broadcast. Pre-game coverage begins 30 minutes before on the Rail Riders Radio Network, the TuneIn Radio app, and on the MILB First Pitch app as well. Again, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of A Call Away, and we will talk to you again soon.